0: Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom, joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going?
1: Very good, thank you. Yourself?
0: I'm well, thanks. I'm thoroughly enjoying the European road trip. It's been good so far. I hope it (laughs) continues to be good. And I hope everyone at home is enjoying the fine, fine content that we have produced thus far
1: yeah the the myriad of content in all these on these all these social platforms uh yeah everywhere
0: hell yeah everywhere everything everywhere all at once that's our new slogan that's our news yes.
1: uh, are we allowed to say it are we allowed
0: yeah i think so i okay. think i think i mean that's just a little indie film josh we're a big deal okay yeah sure if anything they should have checked with us before they use that name,
1: well, I feel like every uh, film maker should check before with us before they make the film. But uh, that's just me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One film I think they will check with us before they make is the inevitable, inevitable biopic uh, about the the foundation of the Park Crush podcast, which will yeah. come to cinemas at some point.
1: Yeah, once uh, we're a media empire.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, who knows, one day, if we are to become a film, we may well have a theme park ride also made about us. And if that were to happen, then perhaps uh, there are a few better homes for such an attraction than MGM. Sorry, I mean Hollywood Studios.
1: Hollywood Studios, uh, is, I've never heard of it.
0: Uh, Hollywood Studios, yeah. Uh, Which is where we are going today uh, in spirit and in memory, at least, to relive my time at Hollywood Studios during my uh, April and May Florida trip, which already feels like a long time ago. And it's quite nice in a way to be doing these trip reports and sort of artificially extend Uh, the the memories if you like you know because obviously there are memories associated with holidays that will stay with you forever but there are like little bits and pieces here and there that you would otherwise forget but that I am being forced to remember uh, (laughs) because I have to do a podcast about it Uh, yes Uh, it was your choice yes indeed so I did two days at Hollywood Studios one of which was May the 4th Star Wars Day. So this could well be a little bit of an epic, but we'll see how we get on. Uh, now, Josh, what was your last experience of Hollywood Studios? What state was that park in the last time you were there? And was there anything in particular that you were looking forward to uh, to experiencing via myself, if that makes sense? Um, I believe... Uh, off the top of my head, everything was there,
1: bar Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and Galaxy's Edge.
0: Oh, so, so half the park? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's not, in terms of uh, lands or, or areas, it's not, but uh, yeah, I mean, so Toy Story Land was there, Obviously, Sunset Boulevard was all open, uh, Star Tours was there, etc, etc.
0: Right, okay well that 's fair enough. I mean maybe maybe half the park was there, but half the footfall probably was not which actually has been a strange thing about kind of these days at Disney that I had in that the footfall always seemed pretty insane, and yet this is these are Disney parks which are are supposed to be operating with some form of kind of crowd management at the moment, given that you have to reserve which days you want to be there and that sort of thing, and yet, yeah they feel busier than ever. It's quite weird. It feels uh, like it shouldn't be that way. It feels like a, a bit of a contradiction, but that's just how it seemed, and, and nowhere was it crazier, I would suggest, than Hollywood Studios at points on both of these days. Yes, even crazier than The Magic Kingdom. Wow. uh, it's quite impressive yeah absolutely it certainly is they've how they've managed that I I truly don't know but the, the chaos starts early Josh I mean the thing with Hollywood Studios is that for us staying in Windsor Palms Resort as we do it's quite easy to get to it's not a long drive at all and there's no real pomp and circumstance about how you get to the park itself once you have parked your car. There's no need to jump on any sort of transportation. It's a, a simple walk up to the front gates and you, you walk through eventually and there you are uh, walking up uh, walking up towards the, the Chinese theatre and it's all fairly straightforward. And yet, uh, because of the opening time, which I believe on both days we were there was 8 a.m., Right, uh, And so early entry would have been half past seven for people staying on site. Uh, okay. It was yep. already pretty chaotic outside the turnstiles to get in from the moment we arrived, really, which was about 20 past seven, I would say. Wow. And they do this really ridiculous thing where they kind of spare a few turnstiles for people who are coming in with early entry. And kind of force everyone else to queue across about three or four turnstiles on sort of the far side as you're approaching from the car park. So walk all the way over. Fill all available space, you know, the whole thing. Yes, yeah. Uh, But then, once they're kind of satisfied that they've got plenty of early entry people through, they'll open a few more turnstiles, at which point it becomes... It's basically down to the guests to then sort of shuffle their way over a little bit, fill more of the space towards the left, closer to the car park. You basically end up, which is what happened to us on the first day, you end up with a situation where people who are arriving potentially 20, 25 minutes after you have got there to start queuing are ending up way closer to the front of the queue because they've just walked up into a newly opened line whilst you like a sucker are stranded at the back of one that you were told to get in by a cast member twenty minutes Great. ago. So That's that what? is that is a farce and we knew this obviously the sec- so the way I'm gonna do this rather than do here's day one at Hollywood Studios Here's day two. I'm going to kind of combine the experiences to an extent. I think that makes more sense. Yeah, that makes sense. sense. So what we did on the second day, (laughs) knowing that that was going to happen, (laughs) was basically awkwardly loiter without joining any queue. And there were cast (laughs) members there sort of ushering us over, like, get to the back of the line. Come on, get in the lines all the way over to the right. And we were like, we're not falling for this one again, lady. No way. Oh, no, we're waiting for someone. We're just waiting for someone. And then we'll join the line, and then of course, just as we expected, fifteen twenty minutes later, other lines open. We are far closer to those, and we managed to get basically to the front uh, by doing despair. by doing that. I know I didn't feel great about it, but as far as I was concerned, the way I justified it to myself was that I was taking advantage of a of a badly organised situation, which had nothing to do with me. Yeah, and, absolutely.
1: I think uh, what you they should You might call done was, me a cue
0: jumper, I would say only from a certain point of view.
1: I uh you know I actually don't think you're in the wrong here at all, Tom. Uh it's they've worked a terrible system here and that's that's the problem. It's not your fault. What they should have done was uh have arguably multiple queues maybe and then have someone at the front uh pointing at different turnstiles as they became available so that the four queues then dispersed into all of the available uh, turnstiles. And as more became available, those four queues could then spread out even further. So uh, you still had a uh, well-regulated queue without the ability for people like you to jump in front.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's basically,
1: so, you know, Disney should know how to manage a queue. They're, you know,
0: it's their bread and they've butter. Been do, they've been doing it for a while, I, I yeah. believe. They they even invented the switchback. They've. It was even more crazy that on the second day because you were competing, because, like, clearly other people were aware of this also, by the way. There were other people sort of loitering around. The other thing this creates, though, is that for people that don't know about this and who do end up, towards the back of one of the lines that are that are building up initially they're not all like us Josh so on the first day we obviously looked over at what was happening and said to ourselves well this is a load of nonsense but we're in line we're not gonna we're gonna stay where we are and we'll just suck it up that's not the case with everyone for a lot of people the opening of the other lines regardless of where they are lining up is an opportunity to just you know, bolt over towards one of the newly (laughs) opened lines, which I genuinely think could end up in tears because, you know, you've got small kids, you've got people running, you've got people in a, in a state of, of flux. And it's quite, you know, it's quite a stressful, anxiety inducing experience. I can't deny. And it made all the worse on the second day that we were there by the fact that it was May the 4th and you had people in the most, well, It depends what mood you're in the most ridiculous outfits what are you doing wearing that at a thing park or the most incredible outfits wow you've really put the effort in there you look just like ahsoka or you look just like kylo ren my mood on those fluctuated throughout the day later in the day when i felt pretty chill was enjoying myself had got lots of stuff done i was like wow look at all these outfits isn't it great to see all these people dressed up uh, at half seven in the morning when when it's chaos and people are jumping in line, I'm like, get out of the way, you're a grown man. Take that stupid thing off. <laughs> I nearly got whacked in the face by a lightsaber, tripped over an R2-D2. This is ridiculous. It's oh, like I'm wow. walking around a five-year-old's bedroom and he hasn't cleaned up his toy box. I've had enough. <laughs> I'm going home. Righty, so Anyway... I can confirm that on both days, despite the chaos, we did get into the theme park. So that's that. Gosh, that was... I mean, we were going 12 minutes, and I don't think that was even... That doesn't constitute as waffle. Normally, we get to 12 minutes, haven't even talked about the theme park we're supposed to do. That's yeah. all on us. But in this case, it's all on Disney, I'm afraid, this terrible organisation.
1: So uh, um, they, Yeah, they should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, quite they. Fine.
0: They should be, they should be, and you know it wasn't dissimilar from the experience uh, kind of the vibe that was created in Pandora on that day where there were problems with flight of passage, which I spoke about on the animal kingdom trip report. There were you know a few too many occasions where the the atmosphere wasn't wasn't feeling great uh so that's something to be aware of anyway. Anyway, anyway, we're in the we're in the park. We can chill out a little bit now. We're in the park. Thank the Lord. Yeah. Uh, So there's a tweet here from Park Crush Podcast on April twenty (laughs) fifth, which sums up the day quite nicely. Sums up the whole Disney World experience in twenty twenty two. It says says a lot about the state of Florida's theme parks right now. That we saw a ninety five minute wait at eight at eight a.m. and thought, huh, could have been worse. we, we, that was on day. That was on the first day. We happily walked up to Rise of, Rise of the Resistance with its ninety-five minute wait at eight AM and thought, "God, we've got him. Well, here, this is yeah. this is easy. Ninety-five minutes, no problem." Uh, and I have to say that the experience, uh, much like the experience of queuing to get into the park, the experience of of booking it to Galaxy's Edge from the entrance when that's clearly where the vast majority of people are going that is also a little unpleasant
1: yeah I bet, it's, what uh, route it's... did you take to get there Tom, how, you know guide me, because right. there's theoretically yeah. multiple routes in which you can get there,
0: yes there absolutely are, so we, the way we ended up going, which I think actually actually did work out quite well because it was a bit less busy and, and well, it, maybe it was slightly further but you had less people, so you could go at higher speeds. You know, yeah. <laughs> so we 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 went all the all the way around Echo Lake essentially. So rather than walk up the right hand side of Echo Lake and go yeah. go around the top of it, we went around the bottom so that we walked yes, past, past the dinosaur, past Indy. past Indy. past the dinosaur ice cream place, uh, and and that's the way we went. And then you will obviously then meet with the people who've gone the other way. And you go past sort of Star Tours and uh, the Muppets and and you then get funneled through this tunnel, which opens up into Galaxy's Edge from there. Uh, there yes. is another entrance into Galaxy's Edge from Toy Story Land. I don't think that would make any sense to go that way um we often came out that way of galaxy's edge over the course of the two days but in terms of getting to galaxy's edge first thing we took the same route both days and it and it seemed to work okay yeah i think the
1: other way would be feels a little more convoluted like because you have to kind of go uh down right past uh the chinese theater then round behind it and then up towards toy story land which is not actually as short a walk as the map suggests uh, and then through Toy Story Land to then get even to the the walk to Galaxy's Edge, so it's a bit of a yeah. roundabout way yeah. of getting there.
0: Yeah, it is. So how is
1: uh, how is the tunnel Tom uh, into Galaxy's Edge? Is it like
0: um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I, I wish it was. Maybe that's what they're going for. It's difficult because at that point in the day you're kind of not really taking anything in. You're just sort of in full-on... You know, animal instincts have been fully switched on and you you yeah. have a goal in mind and you're going for it and you don't know what's around you, you don't know who's around you. You don't care, frankly. You're just booking it to this ride and not really taking anything in. And so it was kind of like that, really. it was just It was just utter chaos, really. You could barely... Breathe your own air, even though you're outside. It was so crowded, shuffling through that tunnel to get to the ride. If that's what you want. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Anyway, so the the queue for the ride. So uh, quite a different experience on the two days that we did it. Rise of the Resistance. So the first day, the actual queuing experience was pretty good, actually. So a ninety five minute wait, but not for the first time. Had been massively overestimated. Uh, Disney seemingly liked to do that, and it took us. I think we were off the ride uh, after about fifty minutes. So, okay. yeah, that was like you know, pretty good. Going. Way way less time. And frankly, yeah. you know, they they seem to count a good deal of like pre-show content as part of that of that estimated wait time. And I've yeah. got to say, I mean. I, I can be quite cynical about these things because there will, abs- there are absolutely thing part rides out there who do class parts of their pre-show as parts of the ride and you sort of think, oh, come off it, mate. Like, <laughs> no, thanks. You, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not having that. With this, I think they could get away with it. It's, it's kind of astonishing. And I think they clearly looked at what had been done uh, at Harry Potter, Mm-hmm. in terms of setting yeah. up a story, immersing you in a, a, a different fantasy world, yeah, uh, utilising everything that that particular franchise brings to the table in terms of its uh, aesthetics, in terms of its soundtrack, its sound effects, its actors, of course. And really, yeah, course. it knocks it out of the park. It knocks it out of the park. And I think, I mean, the experience of walking through Gringotts and uh, and hogs uh, hogwarts i think will always be special because you've got that experience of kind of seeing them physically outside first and it's like wow i really am walking into gringotts bank i really am walking into hogwarts castle and with this it's a little more understated because you just sort of it's like a little outpost really yeah uh, but once you're kind of in once the storytelling really begins i think it's I think it beats the potter stuff and, and maybe you would expect it to at what, ten years down the line now. Technology's yeah, come a, a long way. But it really is quite incredible. And I I was pretty blown away, actually. So you I, I'm sure people lots of people are probably familiar with this. I I don't know how much I should get into specifics necessarily in terms of spoiling things for people who maybe haven't had a chance to go. I'm conscious of the fact there are plenty of people who are in my shoes, my family's shoes, in that, okay, this thing's been open for over two years, but a lot of people haven't been able to go to Florida in all that time, especially lots of yeah. British people. So they will never have done this. So I'm 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 conscious of that and I don't wanna sort of spoil it unnecessarily, but in terms of kind of the they really run the gamut of effects. You've got sort of hologram looking projections, you've got animatronics, you have got screens You've got uh, a portion of the Q, of, of the queue experience, which could almost get away with being a ride in and of itself, where you get into what is supposed to be a sort of uh, a transporter ship and kind of go up into oh, space wow. uh, and have a sort of animatronic Admiral Akbar. Well, it's not Admiral Akbar, uh, but it is it is it's one it's of his, his cousin. Is, is it? It's a Mon calamari, yeah, uh, which I, I I think is maybe the most underrated name of anything frankly in any (laughs) franchise ever i mean imagine coming up with a fish looking species and calling them the mon calamari i mean i just love it it's It's, brilliant
1: it's it's strong it is strong for sure
0: Uh, yeah it's like one of the designers asked george lucas one day so yeah you've come up with this character what do what do we call him is it looks like a fish i don't know calamari i guess it's great yeah i think
1: the 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 names of things in the Star Wars universe. There's certainly a range. I think Mon Calamari is very much at the top, and I think uh, the Space Jazz name is definitely at the bottom. Uh, What's the
0: Space Jazz? Uh, jizz. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That, that's not great. Anyway. Yeah, uh, i would definitely put
1: that at the bottom. Um, uh, I, obviously. Just real quick, Tom, you, you know, you talk about the rides that have these queue elements that some some parks try and argue that they're part of the ride. Uh, I've got to come up with a bit of a short list in my head of rides where they could maybe argue this at Disney. I just thought you, I'd see your point of preference on these. Um, so Haunted Mansion, does, does the pre-ride elements there count as part of the ride? Uh, could
0: do that That stuff's good i think the thing with star wars is that once with rise of the resistance specifically once the kind of storytelling in in the queue kind of starts it doesn't really stop so haunted mansion you go into that stretching room for example and then you come out you've kind of got a bit more bog-standard queuing to be done right yeah whereas rise of the resistance once you so you know mild spoilers i would consider the first piece of proper story in the line to be where you, you get into this little holding room and bb-8's in there animatronic bb-8 very cute and then a projection of ray appears and she kind of outlines the mission and from then on until you get on the ride it's kind of non-stop it's there's just stuff happening constantly you get onto the transporter ship you feel like you're going up into space you see the, the, the fish, the Mon Calamari guy at the front, an animatronic fish. operating the ship. Oscar Isaac comes up on the screen. Uh, Nyem Nyab, or whatever his name is, Lando's mate from Return of the Jedi. He turns up oh, on yeah. the screen. You get pulled into a tractor beam. I, I said I wasn't going to spoil the ride, and now I'm kind of whistling yeah, through the whole thing. Yeah, have gone into it. I have gone into it a bit, but, you know, it's hard not to. Somehow do... Palpatine returns. and uh... Uh, Thankfully, none of that. Thankfully, oh, none thank of God. that. Yeah, this is pre-Palpatine's Palpatine return. I believe this is canonically set between episode eight and episode nine, I think. Um, I think the whole land is supposed to be. And in fact, we'll, we'll, I'll try and remember to come back round to that because there have been some announcements since I was there, which um, are quite interesting um, in terms of the timeline that they've tried to set this place in. Right. Yeah. Uh, But then, yeah, I think a lot of people have seen the bit where you you end up on the Star Destroyer and you're in the hangar and there are seemingly 100 Stormtroopers there and you can see out into space and there's a whole bit in there. Everyone's in character from that point, all the cast members playing, these Imperial officers, having a really good time with it. That's a lot of fun. Uh, And from there, the kind of... The setup is that you're being kind of funneled into these sort of cells, essentially, and um, you know you'll come across various other famous first order figures, who I'm sure people can guess who they are. Until eventually, a kind of rescue effort begins again with cast members uh, fully in character uh, as as resistance fighters, and and then you're kind of on the ride, and and there you go. It's it's a it's an incredible sort of overwhelming sensory experience from the Ray scene until the end of the ride which is a good chunk of time so and, uh, that's a very long-winded way of saying i think it's uh a, a better pre-show than the haunted mansion
1: <laughs> I, I, and that's also a very long-winded way of saying uh we apologize
0: for the spoilers that tom has just uh said yeah yeah i mean relatively mild i would i would argue but yeah a little bit there
1: uh yeah okay um I, I mean, I've got a couple more on my list. I just want to double check with you on these. Um, two of them are in this park, uh, actually. So Tower of Terror. Terror. That...
0: I I I like Tower of Terror a lot, actually. And I think one of my one of the things I'd written down, which I wanted to bring up when we get to Tower of Terror, is that despite how many times I've been on that ride and know exactly how it goes, the, the way it builds tension before you get on and then in the early stages of you being on that ride it's so yeah. so effective that i can't help but be scared which feels yes. ridiculous to say but it's it's so true so that is pre- very show, effective pre-ride
1: count does it count as part of the ride then or is it just the, no i don't the, think the Really no, good do building. So.
0: yeah i don't think that's part of the ride i think you're still very much just standing around okay. in a queue aren't you
1: Uh, yeah I just you know because it's part you know telling the story I guess and and the final one on this on this short list is uh, Rock and Roller Coaster does that count
0: no no I don't
1: think so okay cool there we go that's my list
0: no I I very much think the only things that hold a candle to this are the two flagship Harry well are they the two flagship Harry Potter anymore I don't know maybe they're not but Forbidden Journey and Gringotts I think are the only ones that hold a candle to this and I think this is better than both of those. So okay, yeah. yeah. What about uh, a an, an Avatar? Also, you, you're not a fan of that, are you? Not hugely. No, I think that outstays its welcome, really, and it's a bit one note. You know, it it's screens really, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the yeah, thing absolutely. with Rise of Resistance is, in every sense, it goes above and beyond in terms of. You know it's not just it's, it's a fantastic hybrid of technologies both when you are quote-unquote queuing and when you are actually on the ride there are screens there are animatronics there are holograms there are some incredible special effects there's motion simulator elements there are, trackless ride is is what it ostensibly is for the majority of its runtime once you're on it but as i say there's more to it than that there's a uh there's a there's a drop there's a there's a motion simulator section uh, there's wind effects um it it's it's amazing it's 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 really amazing the the only bad thing that really can be said about it is that it's clearly a little vulnerable to technical issues some of which can take some time for them to sort out it would seem but that's it, really, and, and I, I'll be curious. I'll, I'll be curious to see how it stands the test of time on that front. Whether any of these kind of problems that it has, relatively regularly, become unsustainable and require them to make some sort of changes. I hope not, but you wouldn't be you wouldn't be shocked if that were the case. The, the interesting thing I've heard is that the Disneyland version, despite being completely the same ride, it apparently doesn't seem to suffer the the same rate of issues as as the Disney World version, so not quite sure what's going on there. But yeah. yeah, that that's really the only knock against this ride that I've got is that th- there can be issues with it. I mean I could run through the ones that, that we had across the, the the couple of days that we had there.
1: The uh so I, I, there's a couple of that I'm thinking uh off the top of my head. So uh the Ray hologram scene that you mentioned that sometimes has had issues right from off the top of my head
0: well this was interesting so i don't know if this was because it wasn't working or if it was just a tactic that they employed because they were uh, you know expecting huge crowds but on may the 4th a massive massive portion of the of the storytelling in the queue the pre-show whatever was just completely bypassed so the ray scene We didn't get that. We just kind of walked Mm. straight through that room. uh, And then then you're outside, and that's when you get onto this dropship. But we didn't do that either. They ushered us through this door instead, and we walked into the First Order hangar from the side, (sighs) just straight in, no sense of illusion whatsoever. And it it skips an enormous part of... It doesn't just break illusion, but it breaks the story, frankly. There basically is no storytelling. You are... You're queuing in this resistance base, and then all of a sudden you walk outside and walk into a first order dropship, a uh, first order star destroyer. That's kind of it. That's, a, that's a massive bummer. It's a massive bummer, and I, like I said, if it was a crowd management tactic, then I understand it. Even though I questioned how effective it would have actually been in terms of making the the in terms of getting more people through it quicker Uh, we were lucky. me my uh mum and dad we were lucky in that this was our this is actually our third time doing it we did it twice on the first day this is our third time doing it so we obviously you know it's a shame to miss the queue because we all thought it was extremely cool but we had at least seen it before my sister who unfortunately was was ill on the first day we went and and so couldn't come she obviously didn't see it at all and we'd all kind of built it up for her like oh this this is really incredible and to, to miss out on all that was was a bother for her so that was a shame and I don't know how regularly that happens if that was just something that was done for May the 4th or if that is you know a representative of technical issues that that occur more regularly I'd be interested to know if anyone does know but I my suspicion was that it was a crowd management tactic right. that they that they used i i don't agree with it i, I, I don't no. think they should have done it 100 i think that's a real real bad
1: way of handling that i think you know part of the that the whole cue element of that being so um integral to the story is actually a way of making the queue feel shorter
0: 100 uh, yeah, percent.
1: and to take that away just kind of defeats the object of it really
0: yeah I totally agree. Yeah. Just, just uh, don't
1: bother uh, doing it in the first place if you are going to do that.
0: Yeah. The, on the flip side, though, so this was quite interesting. So, on the first day, I, I guess mild spoilers again. It's hard not to do it because I have to get into the specifics on this particular issue. But yeah. there are kind of three, there were kind of three things on the ride itself, all sort of animatronic related which kind of weren't working. They were all in a sort of B mode. The first was this scene where you come up on an Imperial probe droid and he's it's sort of meant to move and spin around a bit and, and he was it was just kind of there. So you yeah. kind of come up on this Imperial probe droid and, and the kind of insinuation is, oh, watch out, don't let it spot us, and it will be sort of working away and, and you'll quickly run off in another direction. But it was just mo- not moving it was just there. And then there's another scene where you go down this corridor where there are these massive laser turrets firing out into space. There's a space battle going on. And as well as lighting up they are meant to be sort of juddering back and forth as they sort of reload and then fire off some more laser beams. And you sort of move between them to sort of avoid being whacked by the turrets essentially. Mm-hmm. so those weren't moving either they were kind of lighting up but they weren't moving and then you get to a scene where you're meant to sort of be caught if you like by Kylo Ren who you know in full animatronic form will kind of use the force to sort of grab hold of two ride vehicles sort of bring them close to him do this whole speech and then eventually uh, kind of the wall behind him will get shot out and um, he'll kind of be sucked away by the by the gravity, and 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 debris will fall on top of him, and then you'll get on your merry way and do the drop section and the motion simulator a bit and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so and he was not working, and so uh, he, that clearly is is an issue that they must have anticipated whilst making this ride, because there is is a, a, a mode Kylo Ren, if you like, where he just appears in his tie interceptor. I think is what he uh, flies around. He just appears on the on the on the window into space uh, in his tie <laughs> interceptor and tries to shoot at you from out there. And then a, like an X-wing or something flies in and knocks him off course and stuff. And and to be fair, uh, my parents who were none the wiser had no issue. They thought, yeah, that was cool. And funnily enough, Mister Ben, uh, I think has has said, uh, tweeted uh, tweeted me on one of the days, and said he actually prefers B-Mode Kylo because he thinks uh, A-Mode Kylo <laughs> looks a little funky. I think he compared him to The Wicked Witch of the West on The Great Movie Ride. Yeah, I think it, uh, it could well be the same animatronic, to be honest. It could be. <laughs> Imagine, you take the mask off and it's just a green, <laughs> an old green hag.
1: <laughs> that's that's the way of getting you... Uh... Uh, you're pretty, uh, my pretty, her pretty.
0: Well, I mean, you could swap her dialogue into that scene, and it wouldn't be totally out of place. You know, he's holding you in place with the force while saying, "I'll get you, my pretty," and your little droid too. And oh. that would be that would work. It would it would work in context. So I think maybe should do that. maybe that is what this the, is all about. Uh,
1: the uh, Mickey's Not So Scary halloween uh, overlay
0: <laughs> yeah yeah maybe I he, he does move so on the second day so this was why it was kind of a uh, mixed emotions for my sister i guess in that all right she missed all the pre-show or big chunk of it uh, but kylo was working and the probe droid was working the turrets were still not working fully but kylo and the truck and the and the droid were working uh, and I think the Kylo scene, I personally, yes, the animatronic does move a little unconvincingly. I think actually some of the animatronics earlier on in the ride, there is a, there are a couple of Kylo scenes uh, which I think look better. Uh, one of which actually is actually on a screen. That's one of the most impressive things about Rise of the Resistance, by the way, is that when it does use screens, they are so, so crystal clear and... And positioned so cleverly that it's it's really easy to buy that. No, that's just Kylo Ren walking towards me. That's not a screen. He's just coming at me oh, right now. Cool. It's it's very impressive. But uh, yeah, despite the fact that the the last the finale Kylo, if you like, does move a little bit clumsily, I do prefer it. I think that the trackless system uh, the way those cars move really comes into its own during that scene because it really helps sell the illusion that he's got hold of you with the force and is beckoning you towards him right yeah. i think Makes i think sense. it's better i think it is better as as sort of cheesy as it as it looks especially when he gets sort of blasted and falls behind the debris that all looks a little bit <laughs> a little bit daft but i i do think overall it's better but look i was happy to have experienced both i just wish that you know for my sister that we we got it all you know the ultimate a mode experience in one go and unfortunately yeah. we 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 did never we never got that but yeah that was rise so. of the resistance uh yeah, i don't know if you have any other specific questions about it josh um in terms of yeah anything about it really uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's, uh,
1: yeah, I, I think you covered most of it. Um, obviously I've seen videos of it. Uh, I, um, I, I am fine with spoilers myself. Uh, yeah, I, it's a shame that it does have issues so regularly or, but it does sound like it's pretty sick when,
0: uh, either way. Hmm yeah it's great it's it's one to put on your theme park bucket list if you like is to get yourself back to Hollywood Studios or go to Disneyland and uh, experience Rise of the Resistance I think it's the premier ride of its type you know in terms of I mean when I say ride of its type I don't literally mean the ride system it's using but those kind of all action all immersive taking you on a journey through a franchise that you know and maybe love you know what Harry Potter's tried to achieve. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's setting it's set a new standard for those kinds of rides. I think, which is which is what's so which is what's great about it. You know, I, I, that's what we want. You, that's what competition gives you is is each company has to keep upping their upping their game, and that's why you know one of the reasons Epic Universe is so exciting because you're gonna have all the guys there who who worked on Harry Potter. And then saw Disney make Rise of the Resistance, and now we'll be thinking, "All right, uh, they've they've set the gauntlet down again. Let's see uh, how do we top that with our next Harry Potter thing, or our classic monsters thing, or whatever it is they're going to end up doing." That's uh, that's sure. exciting. Yeah, it's exciting.
1: Cannot wait. Um, it's good oh, to yeah. see. It's good to have some uh, rivalry going on between the two parks as well, right? Some uh, you know, one try one upmanship, as it were.
0: Yeah, and that extends to the rest of Galaxy's Edge as well. So I think again, because I've done two days at this park, I, I'm not I'm not going to stick to the, the itinerary of, of of one day. I'm going to kind of just go around it as it makes sense. So let's stay in Galaxy's Edge, and yes, the kind of the the Hogsmeade Diagon Alley success has clearly also inspired how uh, Batu works. There's right, always, okay. so it's not, it's a little bit, or it feels a little bit more open. It's not, in Hogsmeade and Diagonalia, whilst, yes, there are nooks and crannies, it's broadly you're being ushered down one street in one direction towards a very obvious focal point. Okay. Whereas with Galaxy's Edge, I feel like, there, there there are literally but as well there's there's even more the illusion of being of there being lots of different avenues to walk down lots of different ways to go lots of things to see lots of different ways to get to different yeah. places um i feel like
1: um like harry Potter's, for example even in the books and in the films they're very much designed with a focal point in mind aren't they um mm. You know, Hog- Hogsmeade is basically one street with a couple of side streets off it in the book and in the film. Um, and Diagon Alley is basically one alley uh, with Nocturne Alley coming off of that. So it's, you know, they- they're designed to have these big focal points of being, you know, one being the castle, one being Gringotts Bank, because it's a easy way of telling that story. Um, whereas Star Wars is very much... Uh, about communities um you know disparate communities in various uh planets and so, so you have these towns and these villages and that sort of thing so having a more village proper village like feel where there's a lot of um you know growth from a central point outwards makes a lot more sense
0: yes 100 percent. i couldn't agree more some would try to argue that the millennium falcon is the focal point i could see i could see that you know but I don't agree personally because, ultimately, I think that you know the vast majority of people who are coming to Galaxy's Edge, their their number one focus is going to be Rise of the Resistance, which is not really anywhere near the Millennium Falcon in the in the makeup of Galaxy's Edge. So, basically, I just think that there's far more excuse and opportunity and and reason to have people all walking off in different directions. Which, weirdly enough, I think in certain Instances, I think, just generally wandering around Galaxy's Edge, it does help it feel a little bit less crazy than Hogsmeade or Diagon Alley, where everyone's either walking in a straight line in one direction or they're coming back the other way, and it can feel Mm. like you are having to take the tiniest of footsteps as you're walking through those places because you're just constantly running up on people. The only time I had that experience in Galaxy's Edge was when everyone's rushing to Rise of the Resistance at the start of the day. Uh, Or, uh, actually, on May the 4th, I did want to try uh, one of the Ronto wraps for breakfast, and seemingly so did a thousand other people. (laughs) So that was (laughs) a little unpleasant. And again, very badly organised, so I did do the... uh, kind of mobile pickup on the app, as I as I did for basically all the food at the Disney parks during the holiday. And uh, it, it was very badly organized in terms of, okay, where's the queue for people to pick up who've ordered on the app? Where's the queue for people who have just turned up? In the end, it was kind of just a massive bundle. There was no real sense of there being any sort of queue. And it probably took me longer to get my wrap than it really should have done. But... Jeez... That was the only other time that it felt overwhelmingly busy. And I think that that speaks to how that land has been laid out otherwise. I mean, yes, there are some narrow alleys and, and walkways to go down kind of the main shopping street where there are these sort of little stalls off to your left and right. Again, taking cues from Harry Potter in that they're selling things that could theoretically be sold in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, which I which I thought was quite well done. So there'll be a little sort of the soft toy shop, for example, will be selling sort of these little porgs and other creatures that I don't know. Maybe you could theoretically buy as a pet if you were actually inside <laughs> a Star Wars land right now, or you know there'll be there'll be Darth Vader or sort of Hondo or you know they can get quite specific that like action figures, but they've kind of been designed in this very sort of rudimentary way that makes it look like it could have been yeah it kind of reminded me of that scene at the end of the last jedi where you've got those kids reenacting uh the the battle of crate with their little homemade figurines they weren't quite they weren't quite as well they weren't nearly as basic as that but they kind of had that vibe it felt like they'd been made in that spirit which i thought was quite cool yeah that's cool and there are, you know, plenty of other examples as well. Even, you know, it, it, I got the impression that a lot of the cosplaying that, were, that was going on w- was people who had literally bought their outfits in Galaxy's Edge on a previous visit because you can buy, you know, Jedi-looking robes and sort of Ray's outfit and things like that, which, again, are all sold in shops that have been done up to look like, oh, you know, we, we just sell robes, you know. We're literally we just selling robes. robes to the people of Batu. This isn't yeah, being sold uh, as Ray's fancy dress, you know. This yeah, is—it's like a
1: uh, Germine Street in London or something like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> know tailors, the ta- where all the tailors are. But
0: yeah, and of course, you know, in the cases where they, they couldn't resist, still their sort of brand partnerships. So, in the case of Diet Coke and, and Coca-Cola, for example, which uh, obviously cannot be sold in the Harry Potter lands because of that contract they made. So they can only sell, you know, butterbeer and pumpkin juice and whatever. You have to go out. You have to leave Hogsmeade to get your Diet Coke. In Star Wars land, you can get your Diet Coke, but it's sold in these kind of bespoke bottles with the Star Wars language written on them and and that kind of stuff. So uh, that was quite fun. We bought a couple of those. Uh, My dad's going to give them to his uh, brother who used to work in a sort of Coca-Cola bottling factory. So get a kick out of those. Yeah, for sure. Look what they can do now. (laughs) That (laughs) kind of thing. Uh, So yeah, there's there's lots of opportunities to spend money in Galaxy's Edge. Uh, We we did. I bought a Porg who can sit on my shoulder. (laughs) Uh, I also bought uh, one of those sort of mug cereal bowl hybrids, which was actually quite a nice one. Uh, again it was kind of it's been decorated in a way that would make it work in in world in universe as something that you've actually bought from i believe what is known as black spire outpost i think that's its official name i think galaxy's Edge is 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 black spire outpost on the planet of batu and my dad uh, bought uh, what we realized was actually poe dameron's Sort of um, what what would you call what those uh, bandoliers? Is it sort of bandolier? It's got sort of loads of pockets and pouches on it. But he rather uh, adorably thought it would be good for or handy for for certain bits of gardening. Um, Yeah, of course. You know, putting different stuff in all the pouches and things. So yeah, we we all got a bit spendy during our time in Galaxy's Edge, and uh, yeah, I think you know it's um, as far as being ripped off at a thing park goes uh, it it it's easier than in a lot of places to grin and bear it in galaxy's edge I, th- I think it's it is quite well done for what it is you know in terms of kind of making you feel good about buying what is ultimately silly tat it, right yeah it's good at that you know uh in the same way that the harry potter lands are good at that uh i guess Makes there's sense. another there's another ride there <laughs> There is, there is the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, which I didn't love. I, I, I you know, the, so funnily enough, the the Millennium Falcon itself, as it is uh, parked up in a docking bay, looks spectacular. It's really incredible, great picture opportunity. Uh, but then it doesn't really follow through in terms of the cue for the ride. Yeah. it's really boring. You're sort of oh, going like through Cup a Sucks. sort of hangar with sort of boxes and crates around and there is like there are like bits of starship around as well seemingly being taken apart worked on repaired stripped for parts whatever but it, it's a little bland it, it, you know compared to it's. it's unfair i guess to compare it to rise of the resistance but it's hard not to yeah absolutely and it just feels slow it felt like we were on that it felt whereas Royal resistance went very quickly this felt longer than it than it was yeah and it's a it's
1: more it's a sort of traditional queuing in a sense right
0: yeah eventually you'll you'll get to a sort of um uh, a scene with with hondo of clone wars and rebels fame so, yeah, uh, I'm sure yeah yeah your boy Hondo. I'm sure you would have, you would have been excited to be there Josh to see him. Oh man,
1: him. I love Hondo.
0: Animatronic Hondo. T- turns uh, up is,
1: in Top Gun as well. Is, uh, does he? <laughs> uh no, uh, uh Tom Cruise's right-hand man is named Hondo.
0: Oh, I thought maybe the actor or something. I was like I'm pretty mm. sure the guy who voices Hondo is the guy who voices Winnie the Pooh. I I don't think <laughs> I saw him in Top Gun. It's kind of Round old man, but uh, I would have been game. I would have been game. Put Hondo in more stuff uh, is, yes. is my yeah. general advice. 100%. Uh, to people, people out there who make films. Uh, but yeah, he sort of teamed up with Chewbacca to run some smuggling missions uh, using the Millennium Falcon and has obviously uh, you know, employed the guests to help out. Uh, so, uh, you know, my sister kind of got the short end of the stick again on this one because... On day one, uh, Hondo was there in all his glory. And on day two, he was, uh, as far as I could tell, he'd been sort of hidden under a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, they were uh,
1: preparing, again, they were preparing for uh, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween. He's going to be a ghost.
0: Uh, <laughs> Ooh, welcome to Smuggler's Run. Uh, no, he was instead just on a screen, uh, barking orders at us. So that, that was a bit of a shame.
1: Then they they uh, do that on another yeah. ride, I think, where they put like a crate over one of the animatronics, and then is they're a, on the screen.
0: Is it a kid selling the newspapers on <laughs> <in> the <laughs> Spaceship Earth? Poor, poor faceless kid. Poor faceless kid. Uh, yeah, so you get through that uh, with Hondo telling you what's what. Then you get onto the, the Millennium Falcon, and you are sort of yep. assigned a role by the what role did you the, get? The Tom? cast members on there. So the first time I did it, I was a pilot uh, with my mum. Uh, oh, my God. dad was a gunner uh, with some rando who was joined our crew. And then we just had two empty seats. So I can't remember, was it engineers maybe? We didn't have any engineers. And then on the second huh. time we did it, my sister and my dad were the pilots. And my mum and I were the engineers, I think. And then two other people were the gunners. Uh the Millennium Falcon itself, once you it's kind of on board, uh, there is kind of a, an opportunity to kind of walk through sort of the main living space of the Millennium Falcon. You know where where three uh, PO and Chewie play holograph- holographic chess, and where Luke yeah. trains with the probe droid and all that stuff. It's incredible. I would love to just be able to hang out in there for a bit and take photos. It's really really cool. Uh, and then as well when you walk through the corridor to the cockpit it's the attention to detail is kind of ridiculous and it's by far the the most exciting part of the whole experience is is being on the millennium falcon and then going into the cockpit to take your seat all of that is amazing it just doesn't go on for long enough unfortunately and then you get on the ride and I, I I I enjoyed it. You know, it's it's kind of interactive motion simulator, I guess you would say in that you know, the screen tech is very impressive the way it kind of I guess bends around the shape of the cockpit. So it all looks very convincing. You know, the 3D mm. is pretty good. I mean, sort of the 3D visuals, you're not literally wearing 3D glasses, but it looks pretty good. Like it's it's sharp, it animates well. And it it does work as advertised in that if you are bad at piloting in particular you will have a bumpy ride. (laughs) And and we were all very bad at piloting and so we had bumpy rides on both occasions and you do get thrown around a little bit. It's uh Oh wow. It's a little rough. So I, I guess that's impressive in a sense. You know, like I say it works as advertised, but it did kind of play into this sense that I came off of it with, which was I'm not sure how this plays as, I'm not sure if it plays as well to kind of people who aren't super familiar with, with video games in a sense. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. My sister thought it was, was pretty fun, but uh, you know, my parents were, uh, felt, I think they were a little bit lost. Uh, even though there's not actually that much to do and the buttons and the levers that you need to press do light up and you have very defined roles. I think just some of the kind of, the communication uh, and the feedback in terms of, how what you 're doing is is impacting what happens on the screen, I think that 's just a little harder for people of a certain generation to pick up on and and fully get so i 'm not yep. quite sure this is the uh anyone can enjoy this experience that rise of the resistance is uh, but it 's okay and um i, I think it 's worth doing i i I'm, i think it 's hard to say would we have done it? On the second day, if my sister had been there on the first day i I think we probably would have, but i'm not sure we would have got in line when it was as long as it was, which I think on both occasions it took us about an hour to to get in and out, which i'm I'm not sure it's it suffers for being right next to rise of the resistance it's kind of it's a difficult one to judge because the best ride in the park is a two-minute walk and it's nowhere near as good as that but it's okay it's okay
1: (laughs) i mean yeah okay I, i i i think you know i don't think an hour's queue is too bad for the ride um actually i think if i was queuing an hour for some other rides not necessarily in this park, then i'd be a bit annoyed maybe like you know the boat ride in avatar but uh yeah. I think an error for this I think is is is
0: fine personally. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. And the the only other thing really that I would note about Galaxy's Edge, uh I've been talking about Galaxy's Edge for a long time, it's almost a theme park in and of itself. Yeah. The uh character meet and greet, character interaction situation, at least when we were there, was next to non existent. Uh, there were little kind of uh, opportunities moments where you could see ray chewbacca kylo ren some stormtroopers but always kind Ooh. of up on a stage not really walking around mingling with the crowds and i think one of the sort of most endearing things about galaxy's edge pre-covid was seeing videos online of of guests kids of course in particular running up to kylo ren or ray or troopers and interacting and having fun and that was simply not happening i wonder how practical it is with the no- with the number of <laughs> guests that were there but i hope it comes back i think it adds a lot from what i could tell from those you know pre-covid days on online it, it adds a lot yeah. to the whole thing and it would be a, a shame if, if that was consigned to history Uh, but you know the the outfits look pretty good and i I did get a picture of chewbacca i just couldn't meet the guy which was a shame (laughs) uh the the thing i wanted to bring up though on that along those lines were i think they've announced that some mandalorian and boba fett characters are going to start turning up at galaxy's edge what do you make of that josh because they don't they don't fit in the timeline. Is this is this the floodgates? Uh, Are the floodgates going to start to open? Are they going to sack off the whole concept of Galaxy's Edge having this this determined point in time in the Star Wars franchise? And and they're just going to be like, you know, screw it. People want to meet Baby Yoda. People want to meet Obi wan yeah. I mean, what do you what do you reckon?
1: I'm trying to think because theoretically. They can work, right? Because they're post the they post the originals, both Boba and Mandalorian. Um, mm. I'm and I mean you you're talking. There's a, obviously a gap between the two there. um I don't know how how many years that's supposed to be. Quite a few years, I guess. Uh, so it'd be like an old old man Mando and even older man Boba. And yeah, I, I guess. That, they're not going to be of that age, either they're going to be TV show age. So
0: You would think so, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. yeah, you don't get baby Yoda, you get like pre-teen Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Just sulking, yeah. doesn't want to talk to anyone.
1: Yeah, I guess he's... I mean, he's... Baby Yoda is technically... He's not 50 years uh, old. He, he was in the Jedi Academy, right? He was part of the... In, Jedi Academy in the temple during the prequels, right? So, I believe so, yeah. Uh, we we have no theoretical knowledge of how old he actually is. Mm.
0: Uh, I think the thing that kind of opened my eyes to this issue, if it is an issue, was that we were there, of course, on May the 4th, which was also the day that a new trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi dropped. And obviously there was this huge excitement for that. And that's only continued since the show has started to air. I I think the viewing figures have been... I think it's set Disney Plus records. And it just felt crazy to me that in this enormous sort of tribute to Star Wars being Galaxy's Edge, that there was no... There was nothing there to represent Obi-Wan Kenobi the fact that this was about to come out there was there was nothing there was you know no obi-wan walking around i mean and i know obviously it canonically if you're setting if you're saying this land is set in this point in time uh spoilers obi-wan's dead by then so i get it but i think just it just feels weird that that, that would be on the one hand i'm like oh fair enough you know you could sell a ton of obi-wan kenobi merchandise if you were willing to just sack off the timeline stuff, and just be like, you know what? We've got an Obi Wan show coming out. Let's have Obi Wan walking around and let's set up a stall yeah. with a ton of Obi Wan stuff. But they obviously didn't do that. And yet, at the same time, I can't deny I would have liked to have seen Obi Wan Kenobi. I thought that I think that would have been cool. They do have that Star Wars launch bay in a different part of the park, which has been dormant for a while. I think there's some suggestion that is going to reopen. And maybe they'll use that for meet and greets with characters who aren't from the sequels, essentially. And that makes and sense. That, that's where you'll go to meet Darth Vader and Obi Wan and people like that, because those are the people maybe, people want yeah. pictures with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you know you have that sort of outside of Galaxy's Edge Star Wars area, haven't you? I think that's probably you know you can use that as a catch-all area at that point, right? So it's probably what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know what the ideal solution really is. It does feel a bit odd as well that Star Tours exists in kind of a different part of the park and really does not care for continuity. You know, you can jump from a scene with Darth Vader to a scene with Poe Dameron. Oh, God, Tom, don't get me started. Within 20 seconds. Does that anger you, does it? Do you not like what Star Tours has become? It's
1: the worst version of Star Tours. Ooh. Wow. Um, I very much dislike that we don't have the OG tour guide um i don't like the jumping around because the story makes no sense um etc cetera, etc cetera. um i actually think what they should have done was uh made it a entrance way into galaxy's edge that's what i would have done uh right put like put the exit out round the back into of uh the grand avenue area into a different part of galaxy's edge almost like you know you do, you're do. you getting on a tour that ends at Galaxy's Edge sort of thing. That's how I would have done it, personally. And I think, you know, with the version that they've got now, which I don't like, but is what it is, they can actually do that because they can just make that scene mm. and add it to the end. Um, obviously, in, in the original, you couldn't have done that, but then there was a better storylines. But now that we don't care about storylines, have it end in Galaxy's Edge? Why not?
0: Yeah, so we did Star Tours, I think, a couple of times over the course of the two days. Uh, there was one occasion where we you get two planets per ride now, I believe. You do one planet, then something happens, you blast off somewhere else and you get another planet, or sometimes a space battle, I think. Yeah. So one one ride, we got Hoth at one point, which was good, because, of course, as we'll get to in the SeaWorld trip report, no more <laughs> Wild Arctic. So this was the closest I was going to get was uh yeah my, if i wanted my my snow my snowy simulator ride hoth was as good as it was going to get unfortunately uh, and then uh, what else did we get we we got some rise of skywalker scenes which was uh distressing frankly we, we had uh what was it we had oh, weirdly enough actually this almost felt like the ride was trolling me uh, we we went to the Battle of Krait, uh from the Last uh, Jedi.
1: Is that that's the sand one, the the, the salt sand the, one, the right? salt
0: planet? Yeah, where it yeah. sort of kicks up red dust. Uh, yeah, that's a cool planet. Yeah, visually, it, it's it's cool. Uh, and then we and then we went off to the Death Star ruins from the Rise of Skywalker, where. And I didn't know this was. Ca- I mean, I cannot remember if this happens in that film. But do you remember in the trash compactor in the original Star Wars? You had that uh, weird. That you had that weird alien who popped up out of the water. It was just like one eye on sort of the end of a stalk. Yeah, uh, it, and kept and like grabbing them. Right, tentacles kept grabbing them. Yeah. So. Uh, Seemingly, you get kind of a full view of what that alien actually is in the ruins of the Death Star uh, on Star Tours. So I don't know if canonically that alien survived the the Death Star blowing up. And then also it made me think, right, hang on. I thought that the Death Star ruins in Rise of Skywalker were the second Death Star that got blown up. So does that mean that when they built the second Death Star, they went and found with, with someone like, "Oh, well, how did we deal with trash and recycling on yeah. the first one?" Oh, yeah, we, we picked up monster. one of those weird aliens from. Let's go get another one of those. Uh, so uh, I, I don't, yeah. it made me ask lots of questions, and uh, I didn't really come to any satisfying answers. But
1: I guess we, we do a similar thing with like microbes over in in the real world. So maybe that's like. The Star Wars equivalent,
0: maybe. <laughs> yeah, and the council comes and picks up your rubbish. They've just got one of these yeah. big aliens in the back of the back of the lorry. <laughs> nom nom nom. I mean, I've never looked in the back of uh, the council recycling truck here. Maybe that's what they've got in there as well. It's all a big secret.
1: Yeah, I, I always find that the uh, back of a big truck is a recycling truck or a rubbish truck is like. Uh, the furnace in home alone you don't <laughs> want to look it directly in the eye no absolutely not
0: uh, the um, last... But actually tom S- sorry, sorry go you, ahead.
1: you mentioned you mentioned crate uh, that's actually one of my issues with this ride as well is that it's so like intrinsically linked with scenes from films and it just doesn't really make sense cuz the star tours ride uh, vehicle wasn't in those scenes in the film mm. um whereas in the original, they're sort of in space battles, but not. But they're sort of in the periphery, not like directly in the actual scene or like the, the wide shots of the scene, sort of thing. Um, yeah. That's sort of, yeah. That's kind of bothers me a
0: bit. You're right. You are literally flying around the Battle of Crate as it happened in the movie, which doesn't make any sense. When you're flying around the Death Star ruins, you that isn't during the. The events of the film—it's not like Ray and Kylo Ren are having a fight. <laughs> You're just sort of flying, <laughs> flying around at the same time. Oh, it's such a such a dumb scene. Yeah, that whole film is incredibly dumb. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I got into my head a little while ago. Like, oh, should I just get over myself and watch this film again? And then I played through Lego Star Wars, and played through The Rise of Skywalker in that. And even that was enough to remind me of how absolutely horrendous that film was. And there were things I had forgotten. You know, there were the obvious points that had stayed with me the last two and a bit years where, oh, God, that was so dumb. I never want to see that again. There was some dumb stuff I'd forgotten about. (laughs) It just made me. So I'm glad I didn't. End up watching it i maybe I will never rewatch that film i it may well be the case i just never i never watch it ever again yeah, I
1: don't think i ever will i don't think I'll watch any of the sequels particularly uh on
0: purpose <laughs> so how do you accidentally watch a film uh
1: if they're on t v and I'm flicking through maybe i'll stop for a bit
0: right but yeah I, I see i see what you mean.
1: I won't, need to, you know, go out of my way to uh, watch it. Is, no, I guess yeah, yeah. There are points. On
0: on there are points in seven and eight where you're right. If you're flicking through channels and it's at that point of the film, I might be like, "Oh, this is a good bit. I'll leave this on for twenty minutes." Uh, yeah. Whereas with Rise of Skywalker, I, I think hey, if I just saw one frame, I'd be like, "No, no." <laughs> Moving on. Get it off. Get it off. <laughs> uh. I just wanted to say it's kind of the last Star Wars point uh, and given that I, I don't know whether we should just stop soon and make this a Star Wars episode it feels like it to, to, you know think about it while we talk about this uh, on May the 4th they had a special merchandise event where uh, I can't remember the name of the building now but it's uh, it's, it, it's the old Muppets gift shop or what was kind of the Muppets gift shop uh, next oh, to Muppets yeah, Muppet um... Vision so, is it stage one or something like that?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's, it's not on the, uh, it's not on the map anymore as an, as an official location, but yeah, um, it, it had like kind of backstagey merch, mm. style merch in it, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think just by default there was loads of Muppet stuff in there as well. Yes. Uh, it is now, I think, just used for special events such as this. So this was my one and only experience of virtual queuing uh, on the trip, which you know oh. has, it is not as much of a thing at Disney World anymore. I think that you, uh, I think Cosmic Rewind is using it right now, actually. But essentially you, once you get into the park, uh, virtual queuing will open up uh, for whatever it's available for. And you kind of book yourself in. And if you, and if you're quick enough, you'll get assigned a kind of boarding group, and then the app will ping you when it's your boarding group's time to go uh, to whatever it is. it It is not, to be clear, something which, okay, I've been called, I'm getting straight on or I'm getting straight in. You, you're you getting called to join the queue, the physical queue. Right, and how long it's, is the physical it's queue? It's how it works. I'm trying to remember. it. It, it maybe took us... 15 to 20 minutes to get into the shop once we had joined the physical queue. So, okay. yeah, it was one of those where we were kind of standing in line thinking, what are we doing here? You know, this is, <laughs> we're waiting, are we wasting valuable time that we could be spending doing rides and stuff? And, and you also get into your mind, well, we're queuing up. We we kind of have to buy something now or you have literally wasted your time. Yeah. So, you know, there were lots of existential questions being asked while we were waiting to get into this place. Because my mum and sister sacked it off and went and stood in the shade. So it was just me and my dad. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, but we did eventually get in. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the Twitter thread. I clearly had a panic because I tweeted, is the stuff in the May the 4th store at Hollywood Studios actually good or should I bail on this line? <laughs> so, I clearly, I clearly was pretty unsure. Uh, But they had some stuff in there that was all kind of limited. So they had some. They had some. They had lots of pin badges. They had some t shirts. Uh, They had uh, these little plush toys called Wishables. I don't know if you've heard of these. Have you heard of Wishables? Wishables? No, I don't think I have. So they're this line of. Of theme park plushies. They're exclusively sold at the theme parks. It seems like they come out to mark certain certain things to celebrate certain rides. So they've done like ratatouille oh, okay. ones in the past. I and just the... Googled them.
1: They're, they're uh, I guess cute ish. They they feel like a Japanese uh like a Tokyo Disney thing. Mm, that is, maybe. that
0: is is what I would say. Maybe, maybe not yeah. I don't know. yeah, quite possibly so uh, these ones actually they weren't specifically themed to May the fourth, the ones they were selling in there, they were sold uh, they were advertised as being a, a part of the Smuggler's Run line of Wishables, okay. uh, being, being the Falcon Ride, and they're blind packs. Yeah. So there are like four or five plushies in this series, and they're they're sold oh, blind, no. so you don't know which Ugh. ones you're going to get. So you have the people worst. in there who, by the way, there were people in there who clearly had gone in and were like, "I'm buying the absolute maximum I can buy." So. <laughs> Although there was a limit of two items per guest, or two of the same item per guest, yeah, there were clearly people in there who were buying two of everything. They, they were going to fill up their basket and get everything they could get. And you had people squeezing the packs, the wishables packs, trying to work out what Transfer was what. Out. Wow. You had what some people who were just buying loads of them wow. To to try and end up with... Uh, you know, them all. If people had come in yeah. in a group, for example, they would, they would play the game. They, they came in with a strategy. Everyone in the party gets two of, of these and then that ups the odds that we get all four or five or however many that there were. Yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker. I panicked. I've picked two up. I don't know why. I still don't know why. I don't even think Are they're, they're particularly the cute. They're not both the same. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I, If I'd got Hondo, I would have been quite happy with that, and that would, to me, have been, okay, I got Hondo out of it, that's fine. because I, 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 Hondo is becoming a little more mainstream, but I'd imagine it's still relatively hard to find Hondo merch. Certainly over yeah, here. Yeah, your boy. Yeah, your boy Hondo. So Hondo was one of the ones you could have got. I didn't get him, unfortunately. I, I got the Millennium Falcon itself, uh, uh, which, feels is, which is this little squishy Millennium Falcon with a face on it. Not a fan, bit weird. And yeah, then we got, got yeah, then we got R four as well, which is kind of the same kind of deal. He's also a, he's a droid with a face.
1: Which one's R four?
0: I think he's Obi One's. Uh, well, Obi wan has an R four. I don't know if it is the same R four. I, I I think probably not. Right? I think R four is kind of like the model, and then is it the yeah. second part of the name, which kind of designates exactly who they is, are? So you can have yes. Because you have R two units, don't you? Um, yeah,
1: so that's the model yeah. name, I guess. And then that's specific, Yeah, because he he has. Uh, I think the R four. I'm just trying to remember back to Revenge of the Sith. His his R four in Revenge of the Sith gets its head ripped off right at the beginning. Yes, it uh, does. And then he gets like a bronze R four. I think that's an R four, and that's that's really cool. that's a really cool looking droid.
0: Right. Okay. But well, he doesn't really care for droids. No, he does doesn't. He? No. Uh, th- th- this R4, I don't I don't know who this R4 is exactly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I came out with uh, a uh, couple of pin badges. So they had one pin badge, which was this big one. It was, I think it was $55. Wow. It was quite a cool design. It was like a big, heavy slab of a badge. and it basically had... Like, Star Wars Day, May the Fourth Be With You 2022 in the middle. And then it had yeah. uh, each of the bounty hunters who Vader hires to get Han Solo in Empire Strikes Back. So you've got, like, Boba Fett, Dengar, Bosk, uh, is it someone, II-88 or something, the droid? Uh, oh, yeah. And a couple of other guys. So that's quite cool, but we we instead, or I instead, got two um, kind of smaller May the 4th Be With You 2022 pin badges, uh, one w- which had two of those bounty hunters on it, rather than all of them, and one which had Baby Yoda on it. And I think they were $17 each. And I have done a little TikTok of my uh, pin badge purchases on this holiday. I think I bought about five pin badges total, and I've done, yeah. a, little, done a little TikTok uh, which includes these May the Fourth ones. So if you want to see that, go over to links dot dot com. You can find the, find it there. Uh, my dad got a t shirt. Very nice. Uh, I bought a t shirt, which I thought was just the same t shirt in a different colour, which it kind of was. But what I didn't realise was that that was how they distinguished between the men and the women's t shirt. So. <laughs> Uh, they're not unisex t-shirts uh, this is this is a t-shirt uh, designed for a woman I got home and put it on and it was instantly like this looks absurd what have I bought oh, and, dear. Then, and then realised it was a women's t-shirt bit unlucky actually not yeah. obviously signposted I think the sticker that would have helped me out in terms of identifying it had come off so it was a bit of a shame I did at least manage to take it back to Uh, Disney Springs actually uh, the following day and return it and get get my money back. So it was not a disaster, but I would have actually quite liked. It was quite a nice T-shirt. Had the same design on it as the Bounty Hunter pin badge. Um, Cool. So yeah, my dad's one's quite cool. So that's what we got And as I say, the two wishables. So that's what we bought in there. Yeah. Uh, Why we spent a lot of money in there for not very much.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at these Wishables now, Tom. They're, it's an extensive, uh, the Wishables. Uh, right. I'll give you some highlights here. You can get the food items like the Mickey Premium Bar uh, and uh, a Dole Whip with weird faces on them as plushes. Uh, you can get, they've got a Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin set. So you've got Buzz Lightyear, uh, you've got Zerg, you've got one of the robots, you've got the car that you ride in the omnimover vehicle uh you can get the disney park icons so uh the big golf ball epcot uh, terra terra the tree of life uh the Car- uh, the ferris wheel in dca um so uh this the uh the california space mountain ride vehicle so there's and they've all got faces on them and they're all a bit interesting.
0: Yeah, right. They're kind quirky. of they're going for the same. It's kind of like the pop vinyl thing, right? Like we've taken all these disparate things and tried to unify them with this slightly odd uh, aesthetic yeah. choice.
1: But I think, I mean, I think they're going to sell this. There's, there are some really good ones in here as well. Though. Like there's a Tigger one. The Tigger one looks great. Um, I think the um, Mickey's Runaway. Uh, Train, uh, runaway railway train ride uh, has some really cool ones. Uh, but yeah, some that are a bit
0: weird. Yeah, I was just looking them up on eBay. How much are these Star Wars ones going for? And not not that much, to be honest. I think they were fifteen dollars in in the store, and then they're, yeah. they're going for sort of. I, I could I could make my money back, but I'd have to go through the faff of posting them and all that stuff. So yeah yeah uh so yeah that was it i think that was all the star wars from hollywood studios and i'm leaning towards actually that we do end it there for this episode and have that be our star wars episode plus what it's like to actually get in to hollywood studios these days uh, as as i outlined at the top that is a stressful experience but what do you reckon, uh, Josh? Do you agree? Do you agree with that? And and if so, do you yeah, have any? one hundred percent. Do you have any final thoughts or questions or queries about Galaxy's Edge or other Star Wars things? Uh,
1: the, yeah, I'll just uh, so obviously you said you know the things you did buy. Uh, you, so I am just confirming here you didn't buy a droid.
0: No, I did not buy a droid. I can't remember how much the droids were going for exactly. I want to say they I started at about one hundred. They are a hundred plus tax, Right. Um, quite, quite a cool shot. There's like a conveyor belt going around it with loads of parts and you sort of pick them up and, and build the droid. You pick up the parts, you put them in a tray, like an airport security style tray, and then take them into the middle and a cast member will kind of help you put your droid together. That's cool. And then you build it and they'll, they'll put it in a cute little box and you see tons of kids walking around, much as you do... Uh, kids who've been to Build-A-Bear, you see kids walking around with their with their box, with their customised droid in there. Yes. So, yeah, no, a cool uh, thing to take home from the parks, but not for me. No not
1: BD me. droids available?
0: I didn't see any BD droids, but I'm hoping that that, that that will become available soon. It feels like the BD unit is becoming a little more mainstream as far as Star Wars media goes, you know, after debuting, I think, in the... Fallen Order game, there's now a Lego set, it turned up in the Boba Fett show, so...
1: Hmm. Yeah, um, the the Lego set I think is really cool.
0: It does look great, I'm very tempted.
1: So if you, um, so if you are after a BD, then maybe look at the Lego set.
0: It's cheaper than the Galaxy's Edge Droids.
1: It is, um, yeah, 90 quid, which includes tax in the UK, Yeah, that's... Because we're civilised people. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but
0: more civilised. Well, we're, we're
1: civilised in that, in that way.
0: Yeah, fair enough. In
1: that, in that very very niche, important way, yeah. Mm. Um, and no no sabres for you or your family either.
0: No sabres, no. There were a lot of people do, who had sabres. A little hard to tell if they'd brought them with them or or bought them on the day but a lot of sabers around. And of course, you can do the whole experience where you pay, I think, north of $200 and you you go through the whole build-your-own-saber experience from scratch. You can also buy legacy sabers, but I didn't quite realise this, but it seems like you buy the hilt and you can just buy the hilt, right? So Mm. you can buy Obi-Wan's hilt or... Count Dooku's hilt, or whoever. Like uh, you can buy the ones at uh,
1: Harry Potter, yeah.
0: right? Yeah, but and then Poly you Banders. have to buy the blade in addition to that. So you huh. get the hilt, and then you buy the blade. So you know, I get, I could, I, I'd imagine getting the the whole thing home on, on a on a long haul flight would be a bit of a pain. So maybe it's a decent option for those kinds of people who are travelling to just be able to buy a hilt, but. I don't know, it seems very expensive to me. I mean, they do look quite cool, uh, you know, and I'm a massive nerd. And, you know, if if money was no obstacle, then maybe I'd have been very tempted. But, yeah, uh, they are very pricey for what they are. But they make cool photos. I mean, and like I said, on May the 4th, some of the cosplaying going on was pretty incredible. And people really buy into all that stuff and there were also uh, you know the only other thing i noticed on may the 4th uh, a few special food items so i had a darth maul themed moose from uh, from the starbucks actually they were selling it in there at hollywood studios which was okay it wasn't my favorite thing i ate at the disney parks and then there were also special photo opportunities so uh, the cast members uh if you had the photo pass, there were a few extra ones that wouldn't normally be there, not just in Galaxy's Edge, but also by Star Tours. So we did end up being quite lucky, actually, in that we had kind of sat down for a bit of shade near Star Tours, near the Backlot Cafe, and uh, this photographer was kind of just getting set up, really, and we were able to basically jump straight into the front of the li- that line and get a picture taken by the AT-80, which gives you a little prop. This kind of Mm. the little puck that the bounty hunters get in The Mandalorian that has their target on it, like a little hologram. Oh yeah. Uh, So you all hold that, and she gets you to sort of point at it or pose, do something, and then they they do it in post. And you load it up in the app later and you're all looking at, like, a puck that's displaying Boba Fett or something. Like, he's your bounty oh, target. Cool. So, yeah. I chucked that up on the Park Crush Instagram, Josh, which you can find at com. There you go. There you go. Is that it? Is that all? I think that's it, Tom. Blew me, neck, Yeah can you imagine if we had done the whole thing park we've only talked about two
1: rides (laughs) three hour long podcast that's
0: that's some Patreon level stuff that is it really is it really is uh i hope that was uh you know i came into this thinking oh, i won't speak about these rides too much i don't want to spoil them there's a whole theme park to talk about blah 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 here we are 90 minutes later we haven't left galaxy's edge hardly
1: uh, that's, what, that's what they want
0: tom it's what they want there's a lot going on there's a lot going on if you like star wars hollywood studios is is not a bad place to check out i would i would say uh what about yourself josh you, hearing all this does it does it have you wanting to go there or does it have you wanting to go nowhere near it
1: it uh i do really, i do want to um experience it actually um it does sound fascinating. Uh, I'm hoping to get out to America maybe in October to see some sport. And if I'm lucky and that happens to be LA, maybe I'll head to the LA version.
0: Yeah, that might be slightly more chill. Slight, yeah, slightly.
1: At, at least it'll be working consistently or more
0: consistently. Yeah, that seems to be the case. I'd be interested to hear if anyone knows why that might be the case. But, uh, yeah, uh, any comments, questions, queries, feedback on this particular episode, gratefully received, as ever, uh, all the ways that you can contact us, whether it's email, Twitter, or whatever else, can be found at links.parkrush.com. If you want to subscribe to the show and you have not already, you can do so on your preferred podcasting app. And uh, ratings and reviews help us out as well if uh, the app that you use supports such a feature we will be back next week not from Europe we'll still be there but we'll be back on your podcast feed next week with the rest of Hollywood Studios so join us for that Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and more look forward to that in the meantime take it easy out there see you later, goodbye
1: see ya